All right, hey everybody, welcome to the Small Business Hour here on NowLive.com, broadcasting on the SBA Network. Mark, are you with us now? I am. I am here, gentlemen. Yes. Welcome uh, to the show. And uh, welcome, uh, Matthew and Mr. Halberdier. And here we are again on another uh, uh, small business radio show. Folks, we're coming to you live right here from Los Angeles. And, uh, of course, uh, helping you to... Uh, uh, figure out how to navigate the world of entrepreneurism. <laughs> you know, what works, what doesn't. I'm excited today uh, because we have, not, we have a, several topics that we're going to be uh, digging into. Uh, one, of course, uh, being uh, our guest. And uh, our guest today is a former CEO of uh, Starbucks. And I guess what I'm going to do is let uh, Mr. Halberdier uh, talk a little bit about who our guest is and uh, do that introduction. Yeah, our guest today is Howard Behar. He is the uh, former CEO or uh, president of Starbucks International, and he has been with the company almost since its beginning. Um, it's been quite impressive uh, how he has grown the company. Obviously, he was initially working within Starbucks, you know, the American um, market, and then he moved and, and basically started from the ground up with three other people, which he had to go out and recruit, uh, the international market. So, um, And I believe we have him on the line right now. Is that correct? How I'm here. All well, right. welcome to the show. There yeah. he is, ladies and gentlemen. All, the, uh, all, of, the, uh, all of Los Angeles and uh, other markets joining us on their feet cheering for you, Howard. <laughs> welcome <laughs> to the show. And, Talking uh, about technology, you guys are amazing. Well, listen, uh, you know, I'll tell you, um, uh, you've got to be, you've got to use technology today, and, and even Starbucks was using technology even back then, so uh, we wanted to uh, be part of the gang. Now, uh, of course, the name of the n- new book is, uh, it's not just about coffee, and uh, I would imagine uh, when people think, of course, of Starbucks, they think about coffee, but of course, all of the uh, branding and all of the work uh, that you and, and your fine team ha, have had done uh, with Starbucks was to make it not just about coffee, isn't that right, Howard? That's true. Well, it's you know, of course, Starbucks is about coffee, but coffee is our art or our music or you know how we uh, how we express our creativity. But it's the people that make things happen at Starbucks, and mm-hmm. the coffee is our product, our, our primary product that we sell. But without people growing it and roasting it and serving it, Starbucks would be nothing. You know, yeah, Howard, you I started to read, read your book here, and, I, you know, I just love how much you focus on your core business, which really is the people. It's not so much what you're selling, but it's it's the people both within the company as well as your customers. Absolutely. And, yeah. I, you know, I, I, that happens. Go ahead. Let's ask you, uh, you know, Howard, uh, the, the title of the book, it's not just about coffee because it's not – it's not just about Starbucks not just being about coffee, <laughs> but it's about really every business, and uh, every business isn't just about their core business. It's about the people in the business. I think this is what you're saying. And so how did that play into uh, helping Starbucks to really become uh, very quickly really an institution in our country, and really not just in our country but now in the world? Well, you know, you, you got to go back. All pretty much entrepreneurial ventures, all small companies, they start usually with a with uh, an entrepreneur who's really committed to a product or a service or something, and so their whole lives revolve around that whatever something is. 
And then right. what happens is is they grow a little bit and they figure out, holy mackerel, I can't do this on my own. I need to have some help. And so the minute that that realization happens, then the business or nonprofit or whatever it is becomes all about the people. Because the dream is no good without the people to execute the dream or to sign on to the dream. And so Starbucks was no different. I mean, we have over 15,000 stores now. I mean, that's done with a lot of people. Now, were you uh, a friend of Howard Schultz, or were you recruited by him? And tell us about that. How did you How did you get together with the Starbucks folks? Howard Um, Schultz was the was the founder, wasn't he of Starbucks? Well, he he was not actually the original founder of Starbucks. He He was an employee of Starbucks. No, is that he was an employee? And uh, the original founders are about eleven stores, and I won't go into all of it. But but Howard. yeah, he brands himself as the as the founder. You know that. <laughs> well, he brands himself as the founder of the new Starbucks. He bought a company that had 11 stores and basically uh, only sold coffee and tea and coffee-making equipment, uh-huh. hardly sold any beverages. Oh, I see. And he was That's the one right. that, that saw the opportunity for the beverage. So Dunkey, I met, Dunkey. I knew a couple people that were investors in the company, and I was out trying to buy, buy my own business. And, uh uh-huh. Here I saw this pristine little coffee company, and I said, God, that's an opportunity. And I was trying to escape corporate life at the time. And and here here I am. So I'm almost uh, 19 years later. It's been an amazing journey. Right, right, And right. I, I think one of the things that I, I noticed in reading this book, Howard, is that you really focused on the big picture. And, in fact, on, on you know, there's this... this um, paragraph here in your book. I just want to read it because I thought it was so powerful. It says, I can't tell you how many companies I've been to where I've asked, okay, I understand you're trying to sell something or that you want to open 30 stores, but why? Other than making a living, what are your objectives? What are you trying to do? What do your people want to have happen? Forget about the budget, the annual goals. Think big. Think about the long term. Think about goals that seem like dreams, goals that have so much emotion attached to them that you can almost taste them. They're so much more powerful. I thought that was an amazing paragraph, and I, I just I, I pulled that out and I circled it and I highlighted. It. I thought that was great because you're making it such an important point there. Well, it's all wow. about life, isn't it? It's a if we as individual human beings don't think about those things about what our life's about, uh, what our purpose is, what we want to leave behind, what we're trying to do, where there's real passion and emotion. How the heck do you even get up in the morning? Why do you get up? So ha- you know, might as well so stay in bed. Think, how do you think that this is applicable to the small business? Because it's obviously small business radio. So how yeah. how how can you? I mean, what would be your advice to a small business owner? You know, a, a guy who owns, for example, today I was visiting a company that sells inflatables, and the company has about twenty twenty five employees. How would you, how would they take that and apply it to their small business? Well, I think it's like anything else is that uh, by the way I grew up in small business. I was my family was all about small business and the mm-hmm. the people in, in my family that were the most successful were the ones that had a purpose to their business that was bigger than themselves. They were there to serve somebody. So, you know, take the inflatable business. I'm a I'm a consumer of inflatables for, you know, for a small for a boat that I have. Well, I, I don't buy an inflatable just to have a, a small boat. I buy an inflatable because of the joy it's going to bring to my life, to my grandkids' life, to the fact that uh, it, it helps me feel safer when I'm out on the water and I know that I have a little inflatable that I'm towing behind. 
And so sure. I'm not in the business of selling inflatables, am I? No, right? you're in the I'm business of making boats. people happy. Yeah. yeah, I'm in the business of making people happy. And your whole purpose of selling those boats is is to ha- have people have a better life when they're out boating or doing what they're doing. And so when everybody signs on to that, including the person that does the repair, the person that's selling the boats, the per- person in accounting, if everybody understands that that they're t- there to help people have a better life through what they sell, then purpose and passion just comes automatically with that. Mm-hmm. Now, certainly uh, a lot of people would think that their Starbucks in the morning uh, helps give them a better life. I think that's uh, something a lot of people would say. And one thing I've actually read a lot about the Starbucks chain is that you are a company that's viewed as being one that uh, didn't just sell coffee. What they sold was an experience. Like you went into a store and it's always been about the smell and the sounds and the steam that comes out of the machines and the people behind the counter. And how did you sort of come up with that? model rather than taking it from a chain that was just 11 small stores that just sold coffee and tea to something that became an experience? Well, I think it's what we valued. And the truth of the matter is our customers were telling us what they wanted all along. You know, if you open your eyes and open your ears, people that you're serving tell you everything. And the people that are doing the serving tell you everything. And they let you know what's working and what's not working. And so it wasn't that we were so smart. We weren't. What we were... Uh, we were very aware. We were good listeners. Yeah. Yeah, we were good listeners, and we responded, and we knew what we loved. And, you know, at the beginning, you know, we had like three bar stools in every store. And I remember the fights we would go through inside the inside the organization with the real estate development people. You know, they didn't want to have to get different licenses, which would have been required if we had more chairs. And I remember that I'd have to sell my rear end off trying to get them to respond. But, you know, we did. We, as we recognized it, sometimes we were slower to react than we should have been. Sometimes we were out in front of the people we were serving. But it's really a listening uh, exercise. It's You don't have you know, to be like brilliant. You know, it seems like something else that you did, Howard, was uh, the Starbucks exchange, they, they changed a paradigm. They shifted a paradigm. And the paradigm was, right. what do you do with coffee? I mean, you go out... You know, you go to 7-Eleven, you get your coffee in the morning, or you go to a donut shop and you get your cup of coffee and you eat your donut. You completely shifted. You you took what was just something that was very common and you made that experience, like Matt was talking about and you were talking about a minute ago. You created an experience out of that, and there was several things that you put in place that made that possible, such as the tables all being small little round tables where. You know, sure. people were getting together to do just homework or something. They're getting together to, to sit and talk and catch up with old girlfriends or boyfriends or, you know, friends yeah. or, 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 you know, things like that. How, where, where did that come from? Did that also come from just That was part or, of the same process, the yeah. It, no, it, it wasn't. It, it was as you watched people, you'd go into stores, and we had some stores that had, uh, more space than others, and we'd have little tables, and we'd watch how they used them. We used to go to the cafes in, in Paris and see what happened there so we could have a better understanding or, or what happened in Italy. And so all of those things taught us about how to do things and, and what we needed to do. And we tried lots of things. And, uh, you know, we have this uh, – I had this uh, – I only had one rule at Starbucks. Don't do anything illegal, unethical, or moral, and don't poison anybody. Other than that, <laughs> you can try anything you want, and that's how we did it. And so those no, tables no, – no. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Howard. Go ahead. Well, the no, tables came ahead, from that table. listing. Yeah, the, okay, the tables finished from that listing. That's all. You listen to your customer, and then you respond. And now, let me yeah, ask you, exactly. Howard, uh, 
a lot of a lot of uh, time and, and investment has gone into the music business for Starbucks, Concord, and and here music, here sure. here music, and uh, what, what what do you think of that? What, what do you what do you think of this? This is this has been a huge effort. It doesn't seem like it's reaped much reward. I don't know. Maybe it has, but it's well. I just music, uh, it doesn't seem to. Yeah. It's funny you should ask that because we just made a decision yesterday and we announced that we're we're uh, tightening that down a lot. The music right. was originally there to create ambience, to create uh, uh, good music for people to listen to. It started because we had a store manager that had worked in the music business, and he started doing compilations at home and bringing them in on the little... Uh, uh, tape players, cassette tape players, you know, and playing the music. And customers would say, God, that's great music. Where can I get that? And he'd go home at night and he'd make copies for his customers that asked, which was a few. And that's the way the music business started. Like all good things, people take them to their aunt and ruin them, right? And we're no <laughs> exception to, we're, we're no yeah. exception to that rule. So I think we're going back to where, what brought us to the party. We're going to still sell great CDs in our stores um, uh, at a lower level and not try to make it something that it isn't. And the same with books. But, but, but at the same music. time, though, but at the same time, Howard, if I can interrupt you, uh, uh, yeah. in the media, they're saying that you guys now are going to get in the book business. You got William Well, we, we've always been business. that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We're, we're doing so the same that, thing. The new... Yeah? No. That's the new... I, I think we've been doing books. But uh, all along, but uh, it's one book here, one book there, and that's what it needs to be. It just needs to be okay. things that we like, we things think that are relevant to the people we're serving. And and to tell you the truth, you know whether we make any money on it or not doesn't make any difference. It's adding value so are, to people's lives. Uh huh. And, and I also notice you guys are are making up a big investment in Pinkberry. Is it going to be Starbucks slash Pinkberry like FedEx slash Pinkberry no. soon or? That, no, that's, <laughs> Starbucks is not making an investment. That's uh, that's a venture that's capital firm that Howard happened to have founded with another man. It has nothing to do with Starbucks. Yeah. Okay. okay, I see. So Starbucks is, is is sticking with the core business, going back to the core business. I, I see a lot of brands, particularly retail brands, they go down the tubes. It seems, as a consumer, I note this, not as an expert, because they yeah. get off their core business. They 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 try to be everything to everyone. Do you think that's a danger for Starbucks for the future? Uh, you know, I think it's always a danger. I think we got we got away from things that brought us to the party. I think that we uh, worship the god of growth, and I think that hurt us. I think uh, you, you know this is not a company in trouble. This is a company that you know is sure. making plenty of profits and has no debt. But we we yeah. have to figure out how to to grow again and. I think, you know, the economic situation isn't helping us. It's the first time we've really been hit, and we'll figure out a way. We're going to add things that we have to be as creative as we always were. Look, if I took you back uh, 20, almost 20 years ago, and you could see what was going on then, we were struggling then trying to figure out how to get enough volume in these stores, right, what we were going to do. And we went from, in 20 years' time, from average store volume of about 300,000 to average store volume of well over a million dollars and uh we're going to have to figure out how to continue to grow now it, it has to fit within what what people will accept what our customers will accept from us and what we can do well if it doesn't we shouldn't do it 
Well, we're, we're, we're glad to see you uh, now, I guess I should say, back at the top, right? Is, is well, it's not me. Back. That's Howard Schultz. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, but uh, I thought you, uh, you're, you're back involved as well now, right? Or you are? No, I'm not. Cool. I'm retired. I'm, so you're I'm, you're uh, completely I... out of the deal now. Okay. So yeah, I'll, I can just call him up and tell him why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? I just, <laughs> you just retired a, you from the board. Neck. You could be a pain, a pain in, in the neck. Customer. Yeah. In, in that case, can I make a request then? <laughs> yeah. I'd like to make a request that I can go in and say small, medium, and large because I can't remember the other person I go in. I'm sorry, that's not going to happen. We like those it's short, tall, and grande. <laughs> exactly, grind them, baby. Well, that's uh, <laughs> folks, Howard. Fair uh, author, you know, of the book. It's not just about the coffee. Go check it out. It's available everywhere, um, and it's really uh, great to have you. You know, you, you certainly are. You're 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 the guy next door, Howard. I have to I I, I have to say that you you certainly are uh, an easy person to talk to. And uh, uh, no, so, uh, just in 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 summary, what would you tell our small business entrepreneurial listeners? What's the key thing uh, that they need to do, especially in this difficult economic climate? Uh, one thing, focus on who you are. Think about what what are your values, what's your purpose in your business, what what are you trying to do, what are you trying to do to help other people, and drive that home. Stay focused. That, at the end of the day, is what really works, and that's what will always work. And uh, so particularly in, in tough economic times, and it's probably even more important in good times because that's usually when you get off. You bet. You bet. Thanks, uh, yeah. thanks for uh, joining us today. Uh, and... Uh, uh, we'll have you back. We'd we'll love to have All you right. back sometime, and we appreciate you uh, putting the time in today. All right. Thanks Take very care much. Of yourself now, Howard. All right. All right folks, you too. That was Howard Bear. Thanks, Howard. That was the former uh, uh, president, one of the founders of uh, Starbucks. Great. Boy, that's uh, an honor to have him on the show, isn't it, gentlemen? And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, when we have these people on the show, presidents of these, these gigantic companies, uh, it's interesting. We think they're going to tell us something you know, wow, tell us something we've never heard, but, you know, it, it boils back down to the basics. Listen to your customers and stay focused on your core business. Folks, you're listening to Small Business Radio right here. Mark Yo, Corey Halberdier, Matt Walker. Go nowhere because we'll be right back. You're listening to Small Business Radio with Mark Dio. Stay tuned for more tips on improving your business. Got a question about your business? Call us now to get on the air. 323-443-6878. That's 323-443-6878. And enter show ID 226-287. Winning means sinking more shots. Blowing away the competition. Coming in first. Being second might have been okay for mom, but today, coming in second just gets you a pat on the back and a, hey, thanks for trying. Dale Carnegie Training gives you and your people the skills you need to win. For salespeople, how to be more strategic, earn and keep that important client. From prospecting to information gathering to negotiations to closing. For managers, it's how to win the commitment of your team. Build teamwork and loyalty like never before. A company where people excel. Dale Carnegie Training isn't some boot camp with a drill instructor who breaks you down and leaves you in a daze. And it isn't going back to school for years and pulling all-nighters while you're still trying to do your regular job. It's the right training for the real world that teaches you how to win more often. It works and it sticks. Call now, 562-427-1040. Face it, as a business owner, manager, or salesperson, you're paid for results. 
winning results. So make winning a habit. Call 562-427-1040. Come on, you were made to win. 562-427-1040. Are compliance issues keeping you up at night? Are you worried that your labor law posters may be out of date? Do you even know how to protect your business from fines of thousands of dollars? Without a dedicated compliance department, it's hard to remain on top of the constantly evolving labor law legislation at the state and federal level. That's why the experts at Compliance Poster Company provide their clients with a dedicated research department. The innovator of the all-on-one compliance poster. Compliance Poster Company has simplified labor law compliance. Just hang one poster and you're in compliance with all federal and state labor law mandates. Then when labor laws change, you will receive an email to let you know and your restless nights. Call the compliance experts at Compliance Poster Company today at 1-800-817-7678. That's 1-800-817-7678. Once again, 1-800-817-7678. Or on the web at CompliancePoster.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Small Business Radio with Mark Dio. All right, folks. Welcome back. You're listening to Small Business Radio, like the man said. And uh, today, uh, uh, talking a little bit about uh, how CEOs, uh, you know, uh, uh, really keep the companies that they manage focused on those core values. And uh, I think, Corey, uh, you you and I have talked about this before, that it is easy uh, for uh, people to get off track, companies to get off track. Obviously, you know, Howard was very careful about how he, you know, talked about this. And, of course, Starbucks is a very profitable company. But, you know, their stock has, has, has been in, you know, a difficult situation for the last, uh, uh, really, uh, really the last year because they were getting off their core business. And uh, I, I guess that's the idea of the book. Uh, but, uh, Corey, you have some information about... Uh, about literally, uh, you know, how uh, companies can do this or do this more effectively. Yeah, actually, it was it was funny, Mark. Uh, we were I was out with to lunch today with a um, with a owner of a inflatable company, and uh, we were talking about how to compensate uh, their salespeople. And most of the time, salespeople are compensated based on how much they sell. And are surprised when there's, you know, say, a lack of teamwork within the company. You know, people stabbing each other in the back or, or stealing sales, um, which, you know, might be unhealthy, granted. Um, but the compensation, the way the company, the, the owner compensates the salespeople supports that structure. It supports an every man for himself. And so it's really important as you, if you're the owner of a, a sales organization or where you're, you're, have, you know, salespeople are out selling for you. Um, to think about what are the values? Do you want um, do you want there to be teamwork? Do you want people to come in under budget? Do you want there to be the least amount of discount given on your products? Um, do you obviously want your salespeople to go out and sell more? Do you want them to make more phone calls? I mean, figure out what are the values of the organization, and then compensate people based on those values. Isn't that important, Mark? And that you found that to be extremely important over the last several no, years? No, I think you're right. I think absolutely it's important. I think a lot of times we tend to reward people for the very things we don't want them to do, 
Um, mm-hmm. And you know, if we if we have a, a sales organizational company where the you know a sales leader maybe is rather dysfunctional, they might sell a lot. And a lot of times, companies have this. You know, they have one person, one guy or gal, typically guy, frankly, who uh, uh, might sell a lot of stuff, but yet really turns the uh, company upside down and causes great mm-hmm. uh, dysfunction within the company. And we have mm-hmm. to ask ourselves as uh, leaders. Uh, is this really worthwhile? You know, is this worthwhile? Now, obviously, you, you, you know, you have to reward people for performance, Corey. So you can't you can't reward people for making phone calls or being nice and encouraging others, and then they don't sell anything if they're salespeople and you're rewarding them. So they're consistent with the culture, but they're not selling anything. <laughs> so yeah, you know, right. well, one thing you've got to you've got to do both. A lot of it, Mark, ahead, Mark, I think, tends to go back to the. Um, Sort of the old proverb, you know, be careful what you ask for because you just might get it. And a lot of people ask for sort of like the star power type sales rep who's going to go out and they're going to do a lot of business, but they also get all the negatives that come along with it, that they make a lot of waves inside the company. They can make things difficult for fulfillment people. Sometimes they make promises that can't be kept. Uh, and a lot of times they can long-term hurt the reputation of the company. And... By rewarding people in sort of a combination of both their individual performance and some of these other values, maybe team performance, it might be internal compliance with certain standards that are in place, uh, you know, making sure that uh, all the contracts that they bring in are uh, compliant with certain characteristics that they might have. Those are the kind of things that can sort of help take these people that might be just sort of like – Non-team players, like in a sports analogy, would be sort of taking Kobe Bryant from three years ago to where he is today, where now he's going to win the MVP of the NBA as opposed to a couple years ago when he scored 80 points in a game and he didn't win the MVP because his team didn't win very many games because everything was about him being a ball hog. But now that he's sort of playing better with his teammates, uh, you know, how well do you get along with others? I think it's sort of part of part of the equation here. And when you get your sales reps to behave well with their coworkers and do things that help the company as a whole, then things improve not just for their individual sales numbers but for your entire company. And a lot and of you it know isn't it's really also... so much a lot of it isn't so much about incentives or compensation. Uh it's really about accountability. And you know, you can still incentivize a sales person a star, a Kobe Bryant, on performance and strictly on selling alone or making, you know, points alone. Uh, but uh, and you don't have to incentivize them on, you know, being nice to your coworkers. But when they're not nice to your coworkers, you got to get them bloody. You got to draw some blood. You got to give them some bruises. They got to have a black eye. Uh, and then when they do uh, work nice and play nice in the sandbox with people, uh, then you can. Um, you know, treat them nicely and talk nicely to them and reward them. And people appreciate that. Oftentimes, you know, uh, not oftentimes, but actually all the time, uh, leaders don't realize this, but it's true. Uh, money um, is actually of far less importance than the feeling of belonging and the feeling of, of being, you know, you know, loved and accepted and all that. I think employees mm-hmm. like that uh, and team players like that. Wouldn't you guys agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I, I think would. that uh, in terms of what motivates people, there are certainly a large number of factors, and a lot of people tend to focus just on the monetary aspect when they're looking at hiring people or retaining talent they already have, 
when in most cases that's not the only concern for an employee and in, and in a lot of cases that's a secondary or tertiary concern like they're way more concerned cases, about flexibility yeah. more fl- more concerned about uh you know the Lifestyle. the atmosphere at the office their commute all of those kind of things i think tend to come into play far greater than just the money more so today than yeah, ever which, before. Which are important things to consider when you're doing the hiring, but not so much, you know, if you have somebody who's you know, a salesperson um, who's out making sales. Because you know, a company no, is I, flexible I, or they're not flexible, right? Well, I, I, I disagree. I think, that, I think that it's more important after someone is hired. It's, it's more important that, that we actually, uh, as leaders... Uh, you know, let that person know uh, that they're doing the right thing or not doing the right thing. And and leaders don't. A lot of leaders don't do that today. They sort of, in the name of, you know, no one wants to micromanage. You know, so in the name of not micromanaging, I will ignore this person and hope that this new compensation plan, which includes be nice, play nice, will motivate them. And in reality, that's conflict aversion. What what we need to do is to confront that person directly and say, hey, the way you handled that with your team member, you threw sand in their face. No more throwing sand in their face. If I see you throwing sand in their face, I'm, start, I'm going to start to take things away from you, and I'm going to start to lessen take your away importance your toys. in this organization. Well, I'm just going to start to lessen your importance. You're not going to be as important. I'm going to take the big client away from you. I'm going to, whatever, I'm going to lessen your involvement because if I keep you highly involved and you throw sand in people's faces, you're going to damage the company. I don't. I don't think leaders do that as much as they need to. I guess that's my point. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I I agree. Uh, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, so anyway, a good point, you know, to uh, to think about. And any of our listeners right now, I would like to encourage them to uh, think about some of your personal challenges in your business or with your employees. And you know what? That's what we're here for. So before we sign off today, which we will be doing shortly. Um, I just want to invite anyone listening to let us know. What is it that's keeping you up at night in your business? What is it that's keeping you or you feel is keeping you from the success that you know you can achieve? And let's go ahead and talk about it. That's what the uh, Small Business Radio is all about, interacting with you and helping you, providing the resources that you need. So I invite you to go to uh, smallbusinesshour.com smallbusinesshour.com. That's the easiest one to remember. And uh, you'll see information about the show, but navigate around tons of information about helping you with your business, whether it's marketing, management, whether it's incentives, uh, whatever area of your business. And uh, that's what we want to do. Upcoming shows. Who do we have coming on the show, Corey? I know you have some folks that... uh, that, uh, Yeah, we have Gail Goodman coming up here in two weeks. Um, she is the CEO of Constant Contact, so I'm very excited for oh, wow. uh, for that really? interview. She's going to be talking that about. That is an interesting uh, one. Oh, she's going to be talking about Mother's Day sales and how they how they are planned to be up here for Mother's Day. Hey, that's a success story. Constant Contact, huh? Yeah, that's yep. a, that's a success story. Well, we'll be looking to talk to Gail and. Uh, Folks, uh, thank you for listening. Again, you're listening to Small Business Radio right here, coming to you live from Los Angeles. And uh, we'll be coming to you, of course, next Friday. So stay tuned and do this for us. Have a positive, have a productive, and have a very profitable week and a great weekend. We'll see you next Friday.
presented by